Good morning, Real Life Church. Please take your seats, grab your drinks, make sure you've got a snack. I need to say two things before I kick off. I have moved the stairs. There is now a great big gap. Do not climb those stairs because you will just fall down the gap, okay? So maybe I should say, please mind the gap. Please mind the gap. So there is a gap there. I've moved them because they were in my eyeline and getting in the way. Uh, the second thing is for Alpha, if you haven't signed up your people's names on the boards out there, please do. So we've got two posters up that you can just add names to of people that you've invited or you'd love to come along. And the Alpha team this week are just praying for lots of yeses. So please just add names by faith that you think, <laughs> I want them there on Thursday and I'm going to have the courage to ask them to come. So if we haven't met yet, my name is Melanie. I'm married to Stuart and together we love and look after two small boys, one called Levi, one called Asher, and we've added into that family Real Life Church. So we like to say they're our middle child Real Life Church. We like to say we had Levi, and then we had Real Life Church, and then we had Asher. So... Um, I look after the young in real life, so the under-18s is what I spend most of my time doing, and then anything we get up to in the community, anything that's outside of these four walls, we still look after the leadership team and the staff team, so it's my absolute pleasure to be here this morning speaking. I want to talk to you about sleep to begin with, if that's all right, and when I talk to you about sleep, I don't actually want you going to sleep. This is not a cue for a nap time, all right? This is not a chance for you to think, unless you're Josh. And then, Josh, you're allowed to have a nap if you would like to. That's fine. But the rest of you, you have to stay awake and listen. So I don't know if you know anything about sleep, but when I had my small boys, when they were tiny, neither of my boys wanted to sleep. And no matter how many books I read or how many things I tried, can I get an amen from anyone else in the house who is sleep deprived currently or have just been forever sleep deprived? I basically, people stopped asking me whether or not my boys were sleeping because they could just see the utter despair on my face when they asked the question. It's okay in the first six months, isn't it? When people are like, how are they sleeping? Because that's all they can ask, really, because babies don't do a lot more than that. So how are they sleeping? And you go, oh, yeah, it's not too bad. And then you get to this point where you're just, like, so desperate for sleep. I remember sobbing one night saying, I just want to die so that I can have a rest. <laughs> Completely out of control at that point. But I read every book there was to read on it. And the most helpful book I read was all about the science of sleep, which was most helpful book by far. I burnt the rest of the books because they made me angry. Um, so I either threw them or burnt them. So the one I enjoyed the most was the one about the science of sleep because it helped me to understand what goes on when we sleep and how you have one kid that sleeps and one that doesn't or you have one that starts sleeping and then the other one wakes the other one and then it all just goes wrong or they get teeth or and it all just goes wrong. So sleep, I'm going to tell you a few things about sleep. So we spend about a third of our life asleep. When I first read that, I was like, that, that's a lot of time asleep, isn't it? It's, it's not enough, according to Hannah. Too much for me. I, I just, I don't really love lots of sleep, but too much 
too little. About a third of our lives we spend asleep. I did tell Levi and Asher this, you're supposed to spend much more time asleep. We sleep in cycles, so we sleep in REM sleep and non-REM sleep, and we cycle through those throughout our night. So realistically, everybody has broken sleep. We just all learn to link the cycles together. Sleep is learnt behaviour, and that really helped me. You're not born with a kid who naturally knows how to sleep and one who doesn't. They all learn it. Some of them just get there quicker. So they learn to link sleep cycles. They learn from cues. So when the bath is running, when the lights get dimmed down low. It's why having a smartphone in your bedroom is a terrible idea. I say that even though I have one in mine. It's a terrible idea because it actually the light in it makes you feel like you're awake and alert. So dim the lights, nice warm drink, bath running. There are all cues that make our brain go, oh, it's nearly time for sleep. And I don't know if, what you're like, but if ever we've tried to rush that kind of bedtime routine, no one sleeps, all goes wrong. So it's always worth doing the sleep cues because it tells our brain we're getting ready to sleep. But while we're asleep, our brain is so active. Our brain is so busy. It's so clever, to be honest. So while we sleep, our brain is sifting through the connections it's made during the day and working out what we keep and take forward and what is rubbish. So our brain every night empties the trash bin and it decides what needs to go forward and what is waste of space, basically, and just gets rid of it. Our brain also helps our body recover and repair So it lets the body know, oh, we need to sort this out, sort that out. Our brain also helps with metabolism, just helps with our our general health, our general well-being. It helps restore us. But the best thing that I read was that sleep promotes sleep. So the more that we learn to nap, the more that we learn to link cycles, the more that we learn to listen out for the cues the better we sleep, the more we sleep. So I remember at one point thinking, shall I just cut their naps so that they're just so tired they make it all the way through? And then I realised that's about the worst thing you can do because actually sleep promotes sleep. And the more they're trained in it during the day, the more they understand it, the more they can apply it to the evening, the more they get used to the cues, the more they get used to linking sleep, the better they are. And what I know is that in the Christian life, There are many things that work exactly the same, and grace is one of them. So what I want to speak to you about this morning is grace and the grace of God, because grace in our life, when we grasp it, when we understand it, it promotes grace. The more we understand how loved we are, the more we're able to walk in the good of that, and the more we're able to pass that on. So as sleep promotes sleep, so grace promotes grace. So I hope you're ready this morning to hear a message that just says very loudly, you are loved. What I'd really like this morning is for you to walk out going, oh my gosh, I am loved. I am loved by God and I couldn't be any more loved if I tried. I'd love you to walk out with your head held higher as you understand the grace of God in your life has nothing to do with your effort or your activity and everything to do with a powerful, mighty God who literally loves you. That's it. I'd love you to walk out with your shoulders back a little bit more. I'd love you to go into your afternoon, your day, your week saying, I'm loved. 
And I'd love that to be the foundation, if I'm being honest, that we walk into in the growing up years in real life church. I don't want us to grow up and be a church that is, well, we're so busy doing everything that we forget that we're loved. I don't want us to love people out of ourselves because that will run out. I want us to love people out of the overflow of knowing that we are the most loved people on planet Earth. If you are known by God and loved by God, you are the most loved. If you do not know him here this morning, do not fear. I will let you know how you can access this beautiful gift that is called God's grace. So I hope you're ready to feel loved. I hope you're ready to leave today knowing that. And if you're sitting here this morning thinking, I just don't feel very lovely or very loved, well, you're in for a treat this morning, all right? So if you've got a Bible, please turn to it. Uh, We're going to look at Ephesians 2, 4 to 10. I'm going to read it for us, but you can read along. I'm reading in the NLT um, because it's my favorite. And I'm going to read it nice and loud. But if you've got a Bible with you or it's on your phone, you can follow along. It's Ephesians 2, 4 to 10. It says this, But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace you have been saved I would like you to say that with me. It is only by grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us. So he can point you out in generation, in future ages, as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us, for who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for this. It is a free gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the things we have done. I would like you to say that. Salvation is not a reward for the things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. There's some absolutely beautiful truth in there. This week, if you want to take those verses and just read them every day over your life, it's a good reminder that long ago he first loved us and chose us. It's a good reminder that salvation is not based on my works, not based on anything I do. It all comes out of Christ, all comes out of his great love for us. It's all his work, it's all his doing. Those verses, I kind of feel like if you camped out on those verses for the rest of your life, you'd be all right. If you memorized them, took hold of them, allowed them to take hold of your heart, you would be all right. I've been doing the grace course with um, Sarah and Ruth and Claire. It's been amazing to learn even more about the grace of God. And I've asked Sarah just to read. um, I, I basically asked if 
those on the Grace course would just share a little bit about what Grace is like. And I've asked Sarah to read because Sarah was leading the course and, and I just felt like what she wrote was, was really useful. So would you mind just running a mic up to Sarah? Would that be all right? She's just sat halfway up. And Sarah's just going to read her definition of grace. Okay. Simply put, the mnemonic, God's riches at Christ's expense, summarizes it. My sin and guilt and shame and failure and inadequacy and dirt and muck has been completely exchanged for Jesus Christ's sinless perfection, his innocence, his purity, and so, so much more. I haven't just been forgiven my sin and rescued from death. I've been completely and permanently changed into a person who, in Christ, is pure and clean and innocent through and through, and adopted into God's family. Grace, to me, is the father in the story of the two brothers who sees the younger brother limping back home in a mess and runs out to meet him, hugs him, welcomes, forgives and restores him, despite what he has done. Grace is nothing about what I do and all about what he has done. All I do is say sorry and yes, please. Thank you, Sarah. See, Grace is so beautiful. It is the father who runs to the son as soon as he turns around to face him. When we had our boys, we we sat down and faced each other and just said, what is it we really want for them? What is it we really want them to know? And we decided two things. We first wanted them to know that they were loved by us. We never wanted that to be up for debate or up for grabs. No matter what it looked like, we wanted them to know that they were loved by us. And we wanted them to know they were loved by God. We wanted them to be sure of that in their lives. And so we decided when they were really tiny, we wouldn't push them to make decisions to follow Jesus. We wouldn't push them to to do what we did. We would show them what the love of God was like. And we would keep showing them that and being relentless in the way we loved them. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Understanding that if they grasp that, if they make that their foundation, whatever they do, they'll be all right. So whether they become this, that, and the other, as long as they know and love God, as long as they understand that they're loved by him, I feel like they'll be all right. And we've always reduced our parenting right down to that. We've always reduced it down to, do they know they're loved? Do they know they're loved by God? Because I feel like they can always come back to that. They can always come running back to that, no matter where their life leads them. And that, if I'm being honest, is what we want for our family here. I want you to know that you're loved by God in a way that just changes your life forever. We want the people who come on Alpha to have that revealed to them, that they're loved by God in a way that totally changes everything. And it's something you can hold on to that that will not wither away or, or go through your hands. It's something you can hold. It's something you can put your feet on that's solid. It's something that you can walk out into your every day with. Terry Virgo, who started New Frontiers, wrote something this week on Facebook about God's love. He said, the gospel of God's love was never meant to turn us into burdened, 
guilt-ridden religious legalist. What a travesty. His message is one of joy, mercy, kindness, acceptance, and adoption. He tells us that he delights in us and provides us with intoxicating pleasures. Chris Tomlin in the song, Indescribable, says this, You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing, God. You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing, God. John Newton in Amazing Grace says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. See, grace, when we grasp it, God's love in action is incredible in our hearts and in our lives. It has the ability to make us walk differently, act differently, think differently, but we have to grasp it. And if we're all the time running around doing things in our own strength, trying to earn God's love, we'll never walk free in the grace of God. And we'll never be able to extend that to others. So if grace promotes grace, when I grasp it in my own life, when I live in the good of it in my own life, I can also give it away to others. So if you sit there today thinking, I lack grace for people, your issue isn't that you need to try harder or work harder. Your issue is you need to go back to God and say, I obviously haven't grasped this properly yet. I need to come back to the source. I need to get it. So if you feel like, and I feel like this sometimes, if you feel like you're running out of love for the people around you, if you feel like all the time you're like, ugh, what are they doing? And, and you feel that kind of judgmental, critical spirit rising up in you. Chances are you need to go back to the source and ask him to help you understand how loved you are, how much you've been forgiven, how wide and how high and how vast the grace of God is that's available to you. Chances are you just need a little dose of truth in your life to do a little bit of work on your heart that then flows out again. God's grace for me is God's love in action through the person of Jesus Christ. It's what he's stored up. It's how he feels about people that he then expresses through the death and the resurrection of his own beautiful son. It's how he says to us in the loudest possible way, I love you. It's how he communicates to a world that is so desperately in need of him. This is what I've done for you. This is the lengths I've gone to for you. So in Ephesians, the bit we read in the Bible, Paul tells us that God loves us so very much. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. God loves you so very much. Loves you, loves you, loves you. And it's not that lovey-dovey sentimental, I'll buy you a card. It's the kind of love that is displayed through the cross. It's the kind of love that is robust. It's the kind of love that totally alters things for us. See, he gave us, this is what the passage in Ephesians says, he gave us Jesus. He gave us Jesus in order that we might have our sins dealt with so that we could stand before a God who loves us so very much. He gave us Jesus. He exchanged his life for ours. 
He said that when I look upon your sin, I I look upon that sacrifice, I look upon him. And I accept his sacrifice in your place for all your sin. So if you're sitting there today feeling wretched and you know Jesus and you love Jesus, understand this. God does not look at your sin. He looks at Christ's sacrifice. When you stand there before him, God is not looking at all your sin laid out. What he sees behind you, around you, inside of you is Christ. And he sees his sacrifice as a payment for all of it. So you stand there free. You stand there forgiven. You stand there absolutely loved. What we do when we do not grasp that is we rob the cross of all its power. We say to God, it's not enough that surely my sin is worse than that. Surely Christ can't have paid for my sin because it's so shocking, it's so terrible. What we say is that's not enough. Whereas actually what I know and what I sing and what I read and what I hear is that Christ is enough. He's enough for me. He's enough for all my wrong. He's enough for all my sin. He's enough that I can be made clean made whole and stand before a holy God. And for some of you, that's what you need to get straight. You've made your sin way too big and Christ way too small. He is enough to pay the price for all our sin so that we can stand before a holy God and be so loved. And he's enough for you last week, today, tomorrow and the rest of your life. He is enough to cover you. And this grace comes running after us. In the story that Sarah alluded to of the two sons, you've got one that goes away and lives this wild life. And as he is returning, the father is watching and waiting. And as he turns, the father comes running. Doesn't even wait for him to get to the house. Doesn't even wait for him to grovel or do all of his apologizing. He sees the turning of his life, and he is already running. That's what grace does. It doesn't wait for you to grovel. doesn't wait for you to get down low. It waits for you to turn. And as you turn, he is running. And he's running with the best clothes and the ring and the shoes and the party and everything. And he is gathering you up into his beautiful arms. Even today, if you think, oh, I've got so many things wrong this week, this month, this year, you have no idea what my life looks like. The moment you turn, he is running and he has everything at his disposal to clothe you, love you, party with you, bring you back into his purposes and his plans. It is only by grace that we are saved. We come by the blood or we don't come at all. We come by the cross. I love it when Stu talks about the ground at the foot of the cross being level. We all stand there with our sin And we all receive his forgiveness and his righteousness and his mercy and his grace. It just comes flooding out on us. We, none of us, stand there better than the other. We all stand there in need of 
his sacrifice, in need of his saving, in need of his grace. It's a beautiful thing to be loved by Jesus. When we grasp this, when we get hold of this, we live in the good of it, but we also invite others to live in the good of it. When I receive the grace of God in my life and I live in the good of it, I also create an environment where other people... Have I gone? Am I back? There we are. Good. So because grace promotes grace, when I grasp it in my own life, I'm able to pass it on and create space for other people to get stuff wrong, to fix it, and to have another go. I create that space because I myself have got hold of it. Around you should be a place where people can also experience the grace of God purely because you have experienced it. It's like that, isn't it? When someone's newly saved because they absolutely are fizzing with everything and they're saying, have you seen this? Did you know this? Around them, they create this space where other people start realizing, oh my gosh, yes, this is incredible. Grace promotes grace like sleep promotes sleep. So I'm going to help us with a few bits and pieces that I think we could have a go at in order to grow up in the grace of God. You might want to jot things down. You might just want to log it up here. You might want to get your phone out and make a few little notes. But I'm going to chuck out as much as I can to help us grow up in the grace of God. For some of you, you have become a Christian and you've experienced something of the love of God, but you have gathered up baggage and it's like you haven't emptied the trash bin. You just haven't placed empty the trash. Do you get that on your computer sometimes where it basically says the trash bin is overloading, get this thing emptied and you empty it and it says, are you sure you want to empty two and a half thousand things? And you go, oh my gosh, yes, and get it out and get it. For some of you, that's exactly what you need to do. You've walked around in your Christian life and you've picked up so much rubbish. You've picked up rubbish thoughts, rubbish attitudes. You've taken on other people's junk. You've got a trash bin that is overflowing. You simply need to press the button today and say, empty the trash and get rid of a load of stuff. For some of you, you don't even know Jesus And you're like, actually, what I'd really like is to just know his love. I like to experience that, what you you speak about. For some of you, you're really lacking in grace for others. You're really struggling because you're judging others. You're critical. You're harsh. For some of you, you're just lacking grace for yourself. You're critical and harsh with yourself. And it means that basically you spend every day dragging yourself around. And I I don't believe that Jesus wants that for any of us. I think he wants us to be like that younger son and receive forgiveness, party, and then celebrate it with the world around us. I, I agree. I really love Terry Virgo's quote where he said, the gospel of God's love was never meant to turn us into burdened, Guilt-ridden, religious, legalist, what a travesty. Trouble is, when I look around at church, particularly in this country, what I see is a lot of burdened, guilt-ridden, religious, legalists. And sometimes I think we're the worst advert for the grace of God because we 
say that we know we're loved and then we behave like we're not. And I know that if truth affects my life, it also affects my belief and my behaviour and my feelings. So if I grasp the truth that I'm loved, I then end up behaving differently, feeling differently. So for all of us, I think we need to go back to, do I know that I'm loved? Do I understand this love? So I'm going to walk you through a few things. I'm going to suggest a few things that we can do. So real repentance. So not, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Me and Levi in our house, we are external processors. We're so fast at everything. So we just go, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. Yep, 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 yep. Done, done, done. And sometimes don't sit with things long enough. Real repentance means that we look at something, we put it down, we turn around and we walk the other way. It comes with remorse, it comes with, with a bit of snot and tears sometimes. Real repentance means we, we put stuff down. We can't take credit for being saved. That's all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. The gospel is all about Jesus. So sometimes we just need to repent for being legalists. They're saying that actually I thought I could earn my salvation. I thought if I did this, this and this, I'd be good enough for God. None of us are good enough for God. Even your best acts are like filthy rags. That's what the Bible says. Even the best things that you have ever done are like filthy rags. Unless we know and love Jesus, unless we've accepted his forgiveness, that's what our righteous acts are like. So some of us in this room just need to repent, say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry that I've been thinking that I could take the credit for this. Sorry that I've walked around pretending that somehow I can add to your love. I'm sorry that I've done that. You see, Jesus did it all for us, paid the complete price. You can't add to it. You can't chuck your fiver in or your tenner in and go, here, I'll just add to the price you paid. He paid it all. There's no tip needed. There's nothing to add to it. Christ paid the price for our sins. And maybe this morning, some of you just need to get yourself right with God and get your heart right with God and say, I realise that. I realise what I've been doing is flicking in my, my pound or my fiver or my tenner when you've already paid for it. How ridiculous. I want to just sort that out this morning. It might be that you need to repent of just the way you've been looking at other people might be that you just need to say, I'm so sorry, God. I know that I'm not grasping that. I know that I'm not getting that. I want to. And it might be that you just need to repent of that. Just say, I've been critical, judgmental. I I need to just put that right with you. And we do that by saying sorry to God. And sometimes we do it by going and saying sorry to those people too. And just putting things right. Just making sure that we are living out of the goodness and grace of God. I think that we need to say, sing, and stay. So those are my three things. We need to say, so we need to be able to speak about the grace of God, which means we need to be able to understand it. For some of you, you need to read up on it a bit. You need to read up on some of the verses that talk about how God loves you and what his love is like. Because you've been around church a bit and you've decided that love looks like a little bit of a distorted view of what it actually looks like. 
So the love and the grace of God is beautiful. The best place to find out about that is in a Bible. You could look in Ephesians. You could look all the way through the Gospels. You could type in a search for the word grace on Bible Gateway and see what comes up. You could watch some videos on it. So the grace of God, if you look on the Bible Project, they've got some excellent topical videos You can look at key books. Ephesians would be a great book to look at and just say, okay, I just want to soak in it. We need to be able to say it, need to be able to speak about it like we know it. And sometimes you just have to go right back to the beginning. For some of you are saying, I really lack the love of God in my life, but I never pick my Bible up. You're like, well, if you're not reading it and taking it in, it's not a shocker that you can't speak about it or say about it or experience it. Christians who don't read their Bibles lack truth daily, which means then what you end up doing is reacting out of feeling, which is always, well, for me, is always a bit of a disaster. So if I went by how I felt every day, oh man, it'd be like a roller coaster. Well, it is like a roller coaster. What truth does is it, it grounds me. Gives me something to hold on to. Need to be reading our Bibles. Need to be singing it. So this morning we've sang a couple of songs about the grace of God. We're going to sing some more in a minute. And we're going to sing about how beautiful his love is for us. When we sing something, it does something to our souls, even if our singing voice is not the most beautiful thing you've ever heard. I do pretend in my house that I have a voice like Beyonce. The reality is it's, it's, not. it's not like that. But actually, in my home, I belt out tunes like Amazing Grace because it is good for me to be reminded that I'm loved like that. The songs that people sing shape. So you can see a culture song. If you listen to the radio, if you listen to Radio 1, you can tell exactly what a culture's cry is. So if you listen to songs like that and think, what is a culture crying out for? Generally, you'll hear it in the decades of the songs they sing. You should hear what this culture is crying for. Man, if only they knew that God has all of it for them. If only they understood. If only a Radio 1 culture understood that the answer is in Christ what they cry for, what they yearn for. As the people of God, we need to cry out and yearn for things like the grace of God. Need to call it, need to sing it, need to allow our souls to just rise with it. Need to remind ourselves how loved we are. That's why we say come on a Sunday so that you can be reminded who you are, what God is like, and then you can go out there and leak it all over the place, and then come back again. I've gone again, haven't I? There I am. And top up, and then go out again, and then come back again, and top up, and remind yourself, my gosh, I'm loved by God, and then go out again. It's why weekly meetings, it's why small group meetings, it's why we say come together. It's not because we want an attendance record that makes us look good. It's because actually when we come together, we're reminded again that we are loved, that we are known, that we are seen, and then we go out in it. It's so good for us. And we need to stay in it. If you've been a Christian forever, 
and you think, ah, oh, I'm totally, I'm good with the grace of God. I've got it all covered. We need to stay in it. We need to keep revisiting it, keep coming back to it. It's what we say with our boys. We will be relentless in them hearing, I love you. The other day, Levi said to me, oh my gosh, mummy, I've heard that so many times. And I literally inside, I was like, yes, we're doing our job. If our kids go, bored of that, I know I'm loved. That's brilliant. I want them to hear that, know that wherever they go. So that no matter what goes wrong, they've got a place to come back to. That they've got somewhere they can run to. And I might not be able to do all the other things as well as I would like to, but that I'm going to ace. I'm going to make sure that they know no matter what, they can come back here. I want them to know that about their saviour. No matter what, they can come back no matter what, they can run into his house, into his home. We need to stay in the grace of God, be people that live in it, love it, know it, and pass it on to other people. We need to empty the trash bin daily. And what I mean by this is you need to get to the end of your day and forgive the people that have offended you. And if you live in a house with someone else, their name will be the top of your list every night. And your name will be the top of their list every night. The people who are the closest to you, spend the most amount of time with you, will be the ones you need to forgive the most. The ones you love the most, to be honest, and the ones who are supposed to love you the most. They're the ones that you will need to time and time again say, I choose to forgive. This is an example. This isn't real. I choose to forgive Stuart because he did this and it made me feel like this. Instead, I ask you to bless him, God, and I let go of my right. And I ask you to pour out your blessing. You can see that I'm well versed at this, can't you? Every night I empty the trash bin because I don't want to go into my next day with all of that. I would totally recommend doing that. Every night just saying, who do I need to forgive? What have I believed today that is inaccurate? What do I need to set straight? I read my Bible and I forgive a load of people, and I pray and say to God, take the rubbish away. Like anything that's not, that I don't need to carry forward into the next day. It's what your brain does every night when you sleep. It's what we should do spiritually. We should empty the trash bin every day. So the following day, I get up and go, okay, let's go again. It's good for us. It means we're not carrying junk around. It means we're not acting out of our junk. We're not speaking to people out of our junk. We are keeping a short record. It's what God does with us. Keeps a very short record. So empty the trash bin. Work on forgiveness. If you need a bit of help with any of this, Freedom in Christ have got some brilliant written out prayers that you can make use of. If you're struggling and need those prayers written down, I keep them on my phone. I'll send them to you just right now. If my phone blows up because everyone's sending me messages, but just drop me a WhatsApp and I'll send you just an outline of a prayer that you can pray really simply before you go to bed to just clear the trash. If it's something that you think that sticks, that hurts, that's too hard, get some help. Don't drag it around. Get some help. Ask someone in your life group. Ask someone sitting next to you. Say, my, my bit that I need to work through is, is too big. It's too much. I can't just press click. I need a little bit more help with that. 
And then lastly, band, if you want to get yourself like warmed up. Me, 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 me. La, 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 la. Yep, ready? Um, we need to promote grace. We need to promote grace to the people around us. When I listen to the song of our culture, of our time, what I hear is people who are desperate to be loved with something that is real, something that actually works, something that holds weight, something that, if I'm being honest, we have. When a culture is crying out for love, the answer ought to be found in Jesus Christ and the people who follow him. When we grasp the grace of God in our own lives, it not only affects us and promotes it in our heart and our lives, it affects the people around us. It makes the people around us think, what is that thing that you have that I don't have but my heart longs for? See, people long for connection. They long for belonging. They long to be loved. Let's be honest. Most of us here long to be loved. We long to be connected. We long to belong. It is something that God offers through the person of Jesus Christ to anyone who would put their faith in him, to anyone who would come to him. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray that we would be those that grasp the grace of God, live it out in our own lives and get to pass it on to others. Get to create an environment around us where people can experience and know God's love. If you are struggling today, go back to the source. It is all about Jesus. What he did on the cross was enough. When he was raised bodily from the dead, it was enough. You don't need to add or bring anything except your sin and your shame. You can drag that in and he will absolutely take it off you. He will say, I'll have that, I'll have that, and I'll have that. And he will allow you to live loved and free and forgiven, which is a beautiful place to be. So I want to say thank you for loving us in the way that you do. Thank you for being a God who is loved by very nature. Thank you for sending your son Jesus that we might know and experience this love firsthand in our own hearts and our own lives. I pray that as we grow up in our growing up years in real life, that you would help us to live in the good of the grace of God, that it would be something that would change us forever, that it would be something we could offer out to the world around us. I ask Lord Jesus for you to reveal your great love to us this morning, even now as we sing, that something in our hearts would rise as we understand that your love is quite simply awesome. It's quite, it's breathtaking your love. I ask Lord Jesus that something of that would rise in our hearts, in our lives. I ask that we would be those that share it with others easily because we have first grasped it ourselves. Not those who work hard, but those who understand how loved we are and those who out of that just let it leak out. I feel like even now there'd be a freedom in your heart where you have felt the need to work so hard for Jesus 
without first grasping his love. I pray now that your heart would know how loved you are and out of the overflow would come all the works. Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We do say it's all about you. Amen. Amen.